This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for your daily assist. Austin, let's get to that open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the big show daily assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the big show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Sam, happy Thursday, and uh, the playoffs are here, man. It's great. Happy Thursday, guys, and I'm with you. We got good action. We got, you know, some surprises. We we need to avoid all injuries. You guys got Donovan back. We need Chris Paul to be healthy, but it's been fun so far. Absolutely. Let's. We've got a lot to get to uh, with you today. Let's start with your your thoughts on what you saw uh, in game number two and how the Jazz adjusted, certainly offensively, to what the Grizzlies are doing. Well, it was fun to watch. Um, I'm a sucker for just the, uh, the the human part of like we forget sometimes about the athlete experience and Donovan, like being on a shelf for more than a month and then obviously being disappointed and frustrated that he didn't get to play in game one. Like, you know, if you didn't know any of that backstory, but then you watched the way he competed in that first quarter, like you probably could have guessed like, man, there's something different going on with this guy. Like he was just on one and it was fun to watch him clearly try to check Dylan Brooks and send a message like, okay, our, our big dog is back and you can stop, you know, trying to bully us type thing. Um, you know, that was fun. And they obviously, they hit their threes, which is something that didn't happen in game one. And you know, even beyond Utah, that you know, yet again, we get reminded that in the playoffs, sometimes, you know, you can't count on threes like you could during the regular season. Phoenix ran into some of that. And, uh, but that was obviously a big factor in game two. So, Sam, uh, we heard you ask a question in the press conference that uh, Donovan had. I believe that that was the one. And uh, so I'm curious to know if you've learned anything more about the backstory there. And if you ha- even if you haven't, I'm curious to know what your instincts told you about that, that disagreement. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've got a pretty good grip on it. You know, Tony Jones and I have written that story looking at the fact that I think the one thing that it is clearly at the middle of the frustration was that, you know, Donovan's personal training staff had essentially given him the green light and said they thought he was good to go. And that, that was not in accord, you know, that was a different uh, verdict, I guess, from the team. And it, this is the kind of a story that I think we're probably going to run into a little more frequently in today's NBA, because you're, you're seeing more and more star players, have outside trainers, have outside medical people, and you know they want to to control as much of their situation as possible, which I understand. But it's you know it becomes challenging when you're trying to 
coordinate and collaborate with the, the team that, you know, that employs you. And, and I think it's probably a learning process for everybody who's involved. And like one of the things that we hit on in the story was from a uh, logistical standpoint, you know, one thing to highlight is like back in the day, and this doesn't make it the right way, but you might only have like three people on a team that were determining whether or not a player would be ready to go. And now all of a sudden you might have double digits in terms of people working for the franchise who have a voice and then maybe another three or four or five, you know, who knows on the personal training staff side. And that's a lot of voices in the room. And so getting to a clear decision that's best for the the player, first of all, and and also the team is I think tougher than it used to be. You said it, Sam. And and I thought your piece uh, teaming up with Tony was, was terrific. I thought Mm -hmm. you guys did, uh, did a a really great job, but this, this is a a tricky situation, right? And I have sympathies uh, for both sides. I mean, Donovan really wants to play, you know, that's, (laughs) that's not a problem. That's a great thing. And the Jazz, right. I, and I, I don't know all the details, of course, but but would seemingly are behaving cautiously because they feel like that's in their long-term uh, best in, interest. And, and that's also a, a good thing. So I guess ultimately my question is, has there been damage done in the relationship with these uh, competing interests? I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I'm going to just trust kind of what I was told, which is that, of course, they know that he wasn't happy and of course, it's something that yeah, it might leave a mark for a while, but it, it certainly helps him. I mean, he just re-upped on his. You don't have to worry about the contract side, which right. is not to say that that's the end all be all. But you know, he knows that that he re-upped with this group and he believes in them. I think one thing we're learning about a lot of players these days is they're they're more comfortable just being uncomfortable sometimes with their franchise, if that makes any sense. And it doesn't mean you know again that that kind of a player might turn around, you know, next year and say, Hey, I want to trade, get me out of here. I think it sometimes just means they're, they're okay saying, I didn't like how this went down. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, head for the Hills and, and not follow through on what we agreed to try to do together here. But, you know, I think they, they want their voice to be heard and to not feel bad about that. You know, I mean, Donovan knows his value. He knows what he means to the franchise. So I think they'll be okay. Um, You know, and I think that, you know, within all that, the Jazz are still figuring out some of these new dynamics, even with Dwayne Wade coming in, you know, and things like that. Um, Everybody's kind of recalibrating after, obviously, a pretty intense uh, period from, you know, March through July last year as well. So, Sam, uh, you, you saw what happened as Donovan comes back and the Jazz exploded offensively. Uh, scoring more points than they'd ever scored in a playoff game before. And Donovan uh, looked pretty good, and uh, his teammates responded to him. Do you believe in that kind of bleed over, both from a, an emotional standpoint uh, and a physical standpoint, or do you think that's overdone a little bit? No, I, I do for sure. You guys know me well enough by now. Like, you know, um, that element of the game has always interested me. And yeah, I believe in it. I mean, you could just see if anything, Donovan talked after the game about managing his own adrenaline and how like you run the risk of, of kind of burning it all in the first quarter and not having anything left. And I think they did run into that a little bit. He was so jacked up early on and it seemed so personal with Dylan Brooks, you know, and, and Dylan's another guy where you could look at it and say, you know, in, in game one, 
Dillon was the heartbeat of the Grizzlies, and they followed his lead, and John was right there, and they got the win. So, yeah, I believe in it because it really is its no different than being on the playground, and, and you think you're taking on one of the better teams you know, on the blacktop, and then you look up and you're like, oh, this is awesome. They don't have their best guy. You know, and, and that's what Don, Donovan is. You know, Rudy, certainly, we could have that debate. Who's better? Who's more important? Rudy and Donovan are both incredibly important to that group. But as far as, like, the swagger of the team and, you know, the guy who uh, you would expect to be taking that last shot at the end, that's Donovan. And for him to not be out there in game one, you saw the emotional void within their team. And then, conversely, in game two, you saw the, the pickup that it gave them. Sam, just an observation to run by you and, and curious to get to your thoughts, but uh, we, we used to work very closely with, uh, in fact, he did a show for a brief period of time on this station with uh, Sean Bradley, uh, of course, uh, a notorious shot blocker and, and, you know, joking around, talking to him about uh, ending up on so many posters, right? And, and he sure. said, hey, I don't regret it at all. That was my job on the team is to go contest that shot and, and protect the rim. That was my job. And if I ended up, uh, you know, on a poster for trying to do my job, so be it. And, and with that in mind, last night, that block that Rudy had on John Morant uh, was just incredible. And I, I actually think it says a lot about Rudy, and I think it says a lot about Ja. One, Rudy, of course, is, is going to go out there and, and do his job. But also, you know, Ja Morant, it takes courage to try and do that to Rudy. And, and he did not shy away from it after that happened. He continued to attack all night long. I think it says a lot about both of them. No, I agree. It was a great play, and it, and it really, you know, if ever, whatever the opposite of getting posterized is, that's obviously what happened to Ja. But my goodness, it still was incredibly entertaining to watch, even before you got to the block. You know, I, this analogy comes to mind, maybe because in my backyard for the kids, we have a trampoline. But Ja looked like, you know, you jumped on the trampoline, but it's got one of those mesh nets around the edge, and, and you basically just got sucked up into the net. You know, that's what happened when he met Rudy. And then, listen, John, he got the counterpunch. Like, I still, I love Rudy's game, and I, I didn't ask any questions of Rudy last night on the Zoom, but if I was going to, I would have been tempted to, you know, and I don't know how you ask this delicately, but to be like, Rudy, like, why why did you duck out of the way on the second one? Like, he had another chance to kind of eat him alive, and, and I think, honestly, the ferocity with which John goes to the rim, and I can't read Rudy's mind, but I wouldn't have blamed him if, on that second one, which was not as dramatic as the first, but, you know, Rudy was right there. And then you saw Rudy, maybe it was a foul trouble thing, who knows, but he, he chose to, to get off the, the tarmac, you know what I mean? And, and John finished the play. So that part, the fearlessness and, and the mutual respect, I thought was, was definitely a cool moment. Sam, what do you think about the Jazz's defensive woes? I mean, this is just a matter of a great player like John Morant exploding into what he really is. Or is this something that needs to concern the Jazz because they don't seem equipped to, to to slow him down? And Dylan Brooks maybe as well, although Jake doesn't believe Dylan Brooks is really what he seems to be. Not in these past two games where he's hardly missed a shot. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, you know, he's having a coming out party. Um, I like Reggie Miller had a line about him the other night. He said, he said he likes Reggie said I like a little bit of loco, you know, and and, <laughs> and and Dylan might go too far at times, but that crazy that Dylan is bringing to the table has been contagious on the Grizzly side. Um, but no, the deep. I mean, you know, the defense on the Jazz side, you know, what was it, thirty 
points in six minutes, you know, in third quarter or something like that. Um, like 18 straight possessions, I believe, without a stop. It's like, come on, that's that's enough to, you know, I mean, Quinn Snyder's not going to sleep for a week after that one. So, you know, that's not who they are. Um, and I think on the perimeter, it is a concern. Now, Donovan coming off the ankle injury, so I give him a little bit of a pass in terms of, you know, he's trying to find his way. But, you know, with Mike Conley and Royce O'Neal and those guys, like pretty strong perimeter defenders, and so on paper, Josh should not be able to get into the paint whenever he wants. But the guy, you talk about change of direction, change of speed. You know, he just has a knack for, for kind of, you know, to getting through the, the Tetris uh, of defenders, if, if that makes any sense. So it's a concern. He's not going to drop 47 every night, I don't think. But, you know, he's obviously been productive, and, and Dylan has too. So it, it does seem somewhat real. So, Sam, confession time. I uh, And you may know this, actually, but uh, I've been in the, the Clippers camp for quite some time. The the Clippers, they'll eventually pull it together camp for a long, long time. <laughs> and they now trail the, the Mavericks losing two games at home. And I, I look and feel really dumb. So where did I go wrong? What did I miss about <laughs> this team? Seriously, I can't believe it. 0-2 to the Mavericks. And, and hey, the, Ma- the Mavericks are good and Luka's amazing. But, I mean, it just feels like they constantly fall short. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I overlooked the Mavs. Um, you know, Porzingis hasn't been as good as he was previously, and I thought that was going to matter more. Um, you know, Luka has been playing at a really high level for a long time, but you felt like, like, wait a minute, isn't that exactly why they went out and got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Like, if you can't, shut down one high-level elite, you know, perimeter scorer, then, you know, what's the point of getting two guys who, I must say were, because right now they're not living up to their reputation, two guys who were known as, you know, top five perimeter defenders in the NBA, Um, you know, a former defensive player of the year. So I don't know what to make of it. It's a little, talk about John Morant and his dominance and, you know, kind of overcoming a jazz perimeter defense that has a great reputation. Luca's doing the same thing. He's crafty. Um, you know, he's finding his teammates. You know, the game one, he didn't even score all that much in that final stretch, but the threat of what Luca brings opened everything up for everybody else. So he's been incredible. And uh, I, I'm, you know, if they end up finishing this job, and I'm going to actually try to write a column on this tonight, you know, it runs the risk of, of kind of blowing this Clippers thing up. And I, you know, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to leave in free agency, but still, like Steve Ballmer's head's going to explode if this thing happens because I do not anticipate. You know, he did not think he was going to be out in the first round. Circling back on sort of the whole idea of the Clippers trying to <laughs> arrange this matchup, uh, there there's some real irony here, huh, Sam? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's there's something about their demeanor and their talking points that honestly kind of drive me nuts and drive a lot of people nuts. You know, it's like constantly saying that you're not concerned, constantly acting like, and, and this will sound petty because maybe I'm making it a little bit too much about me and my outlet. But, you know, last year we took a lot of flack. Myself and the, our Clippers beat writer wrote a story highlighting the chemistry issues the Clippers had, you know, and they just, they acted like, we got it all wrong, like nothing to see here. And, and everything we wrote about bared out, you know what I mean? And there's just a weird 
vibe. And I think, honestly, it has a lot to do with the fact that Kawhi is a tremendous player, but I, I don't think we've seen, you know, any great leadership out of him. His personality is just different, and he's not, you know, you see the older LeBron James has gotten, you know, the other night he's gassing up Contavious Caldwell Pope in a key moment. He's in his ear. He's learned how to pick guys up. He's learned how to connect with other people. Um, the Clippers experience continues to feel fairly transactional, if that makes sense. Like you, we have the talent and the talent should win the championship. And then, uh, you know, yet again, at least so far, they're kind of left sitting here going, well, what's missing? Why isn't this working? So I'm curious, Sam, to your take on, on Chris Paul and kind of the repeating history of his injuries in the playoffs, is he the world's most unlucky player or is there a study to be done here on why load management is a thing and that maybe he has, you know, burnout or whatever uh, way you want to describe it going into all these playoff series. But it's, it's seemingly the last, you know, four or five times, uh, if I remember correctly, four out of the last five years that he's been injured in the playoffs. Um, I think right now I would probably not agree with you there, Jake, as far as right now. I mean, I think in the past, perhaps, um, but this thing the other night seemed to me like a fluke injury and something where, you know, somebody pulls on your shoulder. Uh, I don't know how much wear and tear is coming into play there. And and as you guys know, because he's talked about a lot, you know, Chris has changed his routine in the kind of way that I think had him ready to roll. And now he was healthy in the first round last year, and he played at a high level against Houston when they lost in seven games. So, you know, he was effective and got the job done there, and and they almost shocked the world and, and beat his old team. But, yeah, this one is, is just super unfortunate because, you know, it's it's whatever the opposite of poetic justice is, like you're playing your good friend LeBron James in the first round, and it's been a very long time. You guys have probably heard this story about how the first time LeBron was in the NBA Finals, Chris Paul sat courtside while he was playing for New Orleans and w- watched the game and then later went on to say, like, like I love my friend, but, like, I don't, I don't want to watch the Finals from sideline anymore. I want to be in them. And all these years later, he's still trying to get to that stage, and he hasn't been able to. So for him to then be in a playoff series against LeBron for the first time in his career – you know, the, the story, if it went the other way, would be incredible. What if he beat LeBron and then went on to get to the finals? Well, now all of a sudden it, it looks like it's just more of the same, that an injury is going to end up, you know, nipping him in the bud and they're going to get bounced and, and it's going to be, you know, more for a guy who's already had one of the toughest playoff resumes in the history of the game. Sam, thus far, have you had any revelatory moments when you're watching what's going on and you're thinking, hmm, I – that that stands out to me. Anything? From any of the series, Gordon? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first one, I guess, that comes to mind, it's one of the more boring series so far, but like Philly and Washington, I guess I'll, here, I'll, I'll put it this way. The top of the East is, I think, is super interesting because Brooklyn's having their way with Boston. Uh, and I think the general question of, like, who's the favorite in the East, I think it's kind of cool that we don't really know at all right now. Like Milwaukee, it, it's funny. Everybody's acting like, oh, man, this Miami series, is, there's, you know, it's nothing like last year, and they're just breezing through them. And I get it. They they destroyed them in game two. But they barely made it out of game one. So I don't even know 
what to think of Milwaukee yet. Like I'm impressed by the two nothing lead, but let's not pretend that it was two blowouts. You know, it was a win by the seat of your pants game one and then destruction in game two. But you know, Milwaukee's looking good. Philly is doing, you know, taking care of business with the Wizards and their defense is something that I think is gonna hold up throughout the course of the playoffs. You know, to see a guy like Bradley Beal play pretty well and then have to fight through Ben Simmons and have to fight through Matisse Steibel, you know, and, and have to fight through guys like that, Tobias Harris even in stints, uh, you know, their defense looks to me like something that, who knows, could take them to the final. So that Milwaukee, uh, Brooklyn, Philly trio, uh, I think is really strong at the top of the East. Sam, as always, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Sam Amick of The Athletic, and make sure you check out uh, his piece with uh, Tony Jones. He did a great inside look at uh, the Donovan Mitchell situation. That's up at theathletic.com. Yeah, yeah, all good. Any takeaway there? Do you think think Sam thinks the Jazz are going to roll forth now? Oh, I don't know if I got the impression. Roll forth is, is pretty strong, but. You think that's what's going to happen, right? I do. I don't know if they rattle off three in a row. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, two of those would be in Memphis. That's that's probably a pretty tall order. But, yeah, I, I certainly expect them to move forward. I thought it was interesting what Quinn said last night after the game, that his team is is reconnected, you know, having Donovan back. And that bodes well. So Because they've been a team that has, even though they have stars on, on the team, it, it's a team that needs to be connected yeah. in order to be what it's shown that it can be. So I talked to, to somebody yesterday, or somebody today actually, who's who's around the locker room, and uh, they, they told me about the kind of the vibe in game one as opposed to game two, just the way the guy's interacting. Uh, stark difference. Hmm. Stark difference between game one and game two. And maybe it was... You know, the letdown of Donovan not playing in game one, you know, I, I don't know. And game two, maybe Donovan being back or or the, the refocus, I don't know. But this person who was close to it told me the vibe was distinctly different, which I can I can buy for sure. Well, you definitely would be more confident, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of confidence, <laughs> let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now is our friend uh, Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. But, uh, you know... We talk about ED, Andrew. It can it can affect all aspects of life. Confidence being one of those. Not to mention the the life of your partner. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence is a big one. When a guy gets ED, uh, it has this ripple effect, and I think they say depression and anxiety go up. Probably not just for the man, for his partner, the relationship as a whole. And I've seen this time and time again, where it kind of breaks couples down a little bit. Intimacy is an important part. And at Wasatch Medical, we use acoustic wave therapy, which I believe takes the negatives out of treating ED. It's not a pill. It's not, I hope it works. I don't know when it will work. And I don't know what side effects I'll get the next day. With just a few treatments, think about this. Over two to three weeks, 10 minutes apiece, you could be done with the ED. That's what the studies say. The pressure waves will open up very gently. The blood vessels allow for better circulation, and can get rid of the erectile dysfunction. So fix fix the problem, not the symptom, right? Right. The pill is something you're going to be taking forever. It's, it's a Band-Aid. It's 
treating symptoms. This treatment, as far as I know, it's actually the only thing that goes to the root cause. It focuses on the problem, uh, the damaged blood vessels, and restores the spontaneity. 801-901-8000. That's the number you got to call. Get on the schedule, and now is a great time to do it. You guys are doing some special stuff for Memorial Day. We are coming into summer. Uh, you can call us now. The assessment and exam is free. The blood flow ultrasound is free. And by the way, you can come in and go through that. It takes about 30 minutes and say no to the treatments. That is totally fine. It won't cost you any money. There's 500 bucks off with Memorial Day right now towards the treatments if you decide to do it. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right, there you go. Give him a call today. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. It's like a magic button, Gordon, unfortunately. Just there's nothing else like it. All right, it's your your bottom of the hour jazz update. The Jazz in their series with the Grizzlies is now tied up at one thanks to a victory last night here at Vivid Arena, 141 to 129. Uh, Rudy Gobert talked about how the Grizzlies uh, certainly aren't going away. Stay locked in more than anything. You know, uh... They came out really aggressive. They came out making shots, uh, getting to the line. Pretty much everything was going well for them. So we, you know, the good thing is we kept attacking them, you know, right back at them. And uh, they scored a lot, but we scored, we scored a lot too. That's not the type of basketball that we want to do, that we want to play. But, uh, you know, we we just got to keep going. And I felt like in the fourth, we, we were about to get the starts we needed. All right. Game three, the Jazz travel now to Memphis. Game three will be Saturday night. Tip-off is at 7.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 6.30. This update brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Having a great time today. want to remind you about our friends at Jerry Signer. Check out the bold new uh, lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, uh, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Uh, Gordon... Let's see. We have a little jazz-related news here. Speaking of, we were talking about fan behavior um, a little bit earlier in the show. Adrian Wojnarowski, literally a minute ago, just uh, sent out this tweet. A Utah judge tossed out a $100 million suit against Russell Westbrook and the Utah Jazz, filed by two fans banned from jazz games after taunts toward Westbrook in March of 2019 per court documents. Shane Kiesel and Jennifer Huff claimed defamation an infliction of emotional stress. So that's been tossed. That has been tossed. $100 million seemed a little steep. Yeah. Sure yeah. did. It's interesting. This this fan behavior thing is going to come to a head. Um, well, it's... Because players are really pushing back against it now. Right? Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw LeBron's tweet, I'm sure, today. Uh, Westbrook... Uh, certainly did not look pleased. Uh, Trey Young, I mean, would you be pleased having someone dump popcorn on you? Uh, well, no, 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 and it's it's not acceptable. I'd be glad it wasn't beer, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I just can don't, we I, establish some some decent behavior here? I mean, it's one thing to be emotional, so and it's, it's something to be uh, enthusiastic and whatnot. But when you get physical, when you're spitting at people, when you're dumping popcorn or throwing a drink or or even throwing insults, uh, it just seems like there's a line there that shouldn't be crossed. And I don't know why that's so difficult for certain people, and hopefully it's a very small number of people, to get through their heads. Maybe maybe uh, alcohol might have something to do with it at times, you think? Or is that giving people an excuse they shouldn't have? I never liked that, that it is giving people – it's giving people a pass, you know? Like, yeah. oh, well, they had one too many beers, ha, 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 on yeah. to the next one. I, 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 I never liked that. I actually – I think fan – when it comes to fan behavior, there's a pretty – like, there's a line that most everybody out there agrees on what's appropriate and what's not, right? I mean, there's there's – the the question is how big of a problem is it and how much enforcement should come to solve the problem and and I actually don't think it's a huge 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 problem considering we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fans right on yeah. top of a game you know I'm surprised there's not more fights yeah. to be honest yeah. um, and when you have that environment I don't think you can entirely uh, stop it but I think the response is what players are frustrated with and and to get to this Russell Westbrook when he was here in Utah situation uh, wasn't there and maybe it was a separate incident where he told secu- no it was this incident where he told security about it and he was frustrated that they didn't act more decisively is that a fair word well I like the fact that now they're encouraging fans to report this kind of thing when they see it um, because it, it, let me make the comparison it's kind of like it's kind of like hockey. You know, uh, when when someone is high sticking, then you got to punch a guy in the mouth, you know. And I'm not suggesting that any fans should punch any fan in the mouth, but I am suggesting that they report it and then get some action taken to fix it. You know what? This is a, a poor and yet dangerous analogy. <laughs> 
while telling you not to behave inappropriately in the stands, like, you know, fight. I'm going to use an analogy that encourages fighting to solve a problem. I don't, I don't think that's the message you're looking no, to get out there. No, I don't think really, that's not it. Not at all. No fighting. But, but report. You know, do what you can. Self-police to some extent. And let others know who who are, can handle the situation properly. You know, Jake, this goes back. I remember when I worked in Los Angeles, we were planning a number of stories uh, about about this sort of thing. When you were at the uh, the Daily Clipper, uh, this was this. I'm talking about. I worked at the L.A. Times. We're talking about 30, 35, 40 years ago. I mean, so so this has always been a concern. And I, I think uh, clubs should take it very seriously and uh, keep it under control in a manner that is uh, sufficient and, and strong without being you know, threatening. Nobody wants to come into a ball game and feel like, oh, my gosh, I got, I'm, uh, I'm in church here. But Now, yeah. if, a, if a fan out there says, hey, Russell Westbrook, work on your jumper, and Russ gets bent out of shape, you know, Toughen up a little bit there too. It goes both <laughs> right. ways. I don't. I don't think. No, actually, let me take that back. It doesn't go both ways because what some fans do is never right. Is, they are in the wrong. Yes. But you know, players, you you, uh, you know, go on with your game. It's all right. You know, the guy in the third row saying you need to work on your jumper. He, it's all, let him have his fun. You know what I mean? What about the Knicks fans chanting, "Trey Young is balding." Did Does he, that cross any line with you? Because it, it's very personalized. Did they chant yeah. that? <laughs> now, they also ch- chanted bleep Trey Young, too, right? Over and over again? Yes. Uh, that was game one. Last night it was Trey is balding. Okay, so maybe this makes me a hypocrite, but I think the balding one is funny. I don't like the F Trey Young one. Okay. What if they said Trey's mom is balding? Well, can't well, we leave why, the mamas out of it? Okay, so there's the line for you. Okay. <laughs> why even go there? Because it's funny. It's not funny. It's immature. It's childish. Well, of course it's immature and childish. Well, is it, are you encouraging that? There's a lot. There's of, no cussing. There's no obscene language. We're, we're, we're there to watch a child's game. Uh, played by adults. <laughs> played by adults. And, uh, it's a game for kids. Uh, there's, yeah. there's no reason for that. It's just, why do that? All that does is make you look. Petulant well, and in silly. All, in all honesty, they're trying to participate in the game. Part of part of the fan attraction and specifically well, how about you cheer for there, your team? But why are you doing that to somebody? Because else? you're there to cheer against the other team too. That's well, part I, of it. Okay, I get that, but that, nah. I mean, just because you're in your personal. ivory tower about that, it, no, that's I never just, going uh, to change. I bring this up because I think it's a real complicated issue where it's across the line for one guy. And it's not across the line for another. And I think we're having fun with the balding thing, but I think we could get serious about other phrases that is across the line for some and not for others. Without, without being a profanity. But, you know? but see, yeah. chanting also doesn't threaten or hurt anybody. It's you know, just, it's and, and I'm with I'm with Austin I, that that you can you know the the prudes of the world like Gordon can get bent out of shape about what's chanted and what's not. But throwing something at someone, oh, that, well, that goes without saying. That I mean, that really. What if and, it's and, money and yelling uh, racial? You ever been hit by a quarter? Right. Those people should be. What if it's a dollar? Should be flogged <laughs> like back in the day. Yeah, folded up like an airplane. Whatever <laughs> it takes.
No, really. If uh, people, no, we're not at a club. If people are throwing stuff, I mean that obviously is be is is way way cross the line. If people are throwing change at players, honestly, prosecution. Well, there. that's and that's actually like, in black and white in the fan code of conduct. Right. Well, I'll tell you one time I was uh, when when the press used to sit down on row three uh, at the arena. I remember a quarter flying and it hit the TV screen next to me uh, and next to another person. And I thought, man, if that hit a player, I mean, that could hit anybody. That could take somebody's eye out. What about a t shirt out of a cannon? Well, <laughs> that, that, that goes without saying. That's going, that's going back yeah, the other that's, way. Uh, I see a lawsuit coming. So the 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 chance well well RSL had an issue with this right they had a the a chant for a goalie yeah if that, I'm not mistaken was it a goalie and and they kept it up right they did it multiple times it was the, the uh, a Spanish uh, word that is used slang for homosexuals yeah in a in is a that derogatory way yeah yeah I mean yeah I guess I guess it is a little bit more difficult it's the same word Mike Pick got in trouble is it really yeah. but yeah yeah I don't know. Maybe so there's no simple solution here because you can, how do you really control that? Like RSL came out and said, "Hey guys, knock it off," and they did it anyway. What are you going to do? Kick the whole stadium out? So to re- to make sure we're clear, Jake is okay with ridiculing a player's looks, but not okay ridiculing a player's family, right? Well, mom anyway. I just don't, I just <laughs> I just don't understand why any fan would want to go there. I mean, what? So if, if if Boban Marjanovic, however you say his name, it comes to Salt Lake and the crowd chants Quasimodo, that's okay for you, Jake? Why would you call Boban Quasimodo? Is the first ugly character I, that comes to mind. Oh. See, I, I just I I know I'm not saying that uh, it should be uh, enforced this way, but that that kind of chanting uh it would be embarrassing it should be embarrassing to a fan base i mean we were talking earlier when those two uh radio guys from memphis were ripping jazz fans for what for booing dylan brooks booing i think it's totally okay uh, but when you're yelling personal things at people that, that that's something different in my opinion uh, what about and, what- and i do favor just Cheering for your team, I don't. I don't understand the the hurling of insults of any kind. Remember when uh, the Suns were playing the Spurs back in the day? Manu Ginobili was on the Spurs, and the Suns did the like the bald spot was a thing with Suns fans. Do you remember that? Where they were putting bald spots on their heads, uh-huh. where where Manu was was losing his hair. That's harmless and funny, right? <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, uh, juvenile. Yes, yeah, yeah. Immature but harmless and funny. It's not really funny. It's just stupid. How can you say that's what not if it funny? hurt Manu's feelings? Then is it still harmless, or is it harmful? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, thousands of people laugh, and one person has hurt, you know, hurt feelings. Isn't it really a victory? You know what we should do? We should haul Jake out onto the floor and have all the fans chant some, chant some insult at him, make fun of the way he looks, and see how you'll feel about that. That'd be would fine. That, would that be funny? Yes. Oh, Depends on, on what they were making fun of. <laughs> yeah, but you don't get a choice in that matter. That's left to the mob. The mob? Like like the mafia? No. <laughs> Babyface George, and no one's going to leave a horse head in your bed. 
I don't know what I'd do. Uh, would, Austin, would you be intimidated by a horse head or would you just be confused? Uh, I, I think I – that's a really good question. If, if I, with no connection at all whatsoever to the mafia, found a horse head in my home, I'd probably think it's time to move. <laughs> Maybe call a priest or something. <laughs> I wouldn't immediately go, well, the mafia's after me. Well, I guess in that in the Godfather's case, it was like the dude's prize racehorse. Yes, so, it was. Uh, that it makes was a difference. A little more of a message. Yeah. I want to remind you, ARUP needs your help. Donating blood before a long weekend is critical. Donate blood over the Memorial Day weekend. Call to make an appointment today, 801-584-5272 or online at utahblood.org. ARUP needs zone listeners to step up. Donate today, ARUP. Not Sportsport next. Tim Lacombe at 5. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys, Jake here for my friends at Zero Res. And listen, Zero Res cleans differently. I've known this for a long, long time. I've been using Zero Res for my carpets and tile for well over a decade, and I could not Never go back to the other guys because they use soaps and shampoos. Hey, those are great for washing dishes, but not carpets. Soaps leave residue, and in carpet, that residue will make your carpets crunchy and sticky. They'll feel gross and actually attract new dirt back into the carpets. Why would you pay for that? Zero Res is the no carpet, uh, no residue carpet cleaner. And no residue cleaning gets your carpets cleaner, and they stay cleaner longer. Plus, uh, the powered water Zero Res uses breaks down dirt, dust, and allergens, making it easier to remove. And it cleans and rinses at the very same time, so they use less water, and your carpets are going to dry faster. And right now, they have a great deal for Zone listeners. $33 per room clean. That's carpet or tile or upholstery for that matter. Call them. Tell them Jake from the Zone sent you. That's $33 per room clean. 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 12 of the Zone. This feels like a really appropriate song leading into the non-sports report, doesn't it? Kind of dreary. You don't know. It, it might just be ominous and pass over, right. or it might be ominous and really get you. And really stick to you. Yeah. The time for the non-sports report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used cars uh, in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to Oklahoma. Okay. Oklahoma. How's the song go? Where the wind comes. Oklahoma, where the wind comes. (laughs) The wind comes. Blowing down the street. I don't remember. It's like weeping down the way or something. Yeah, something. Where the waving wheat can still smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Look at you, Yeah, something like that. Very impressive. Well, apparently, first of all, 
Uh, when how, the wind comes right behind the rain. Yeah. How would you uh, How would you describe Bigfoot? What comes to mind? Fictional. Uh, uh, what uh, What comes? What's the picture in your mind? Uh, that uh, have you ever seen a Goofy movie? <laughs> that's, yes, that's pretty much it. That well, <laughs> cartoony big. I'm, I'm asking the wrong guy. He's, He's got, got no Max's ima- underwear on his head. Yeah, yeah. He's got no with imagination. Austin, what do you picture in your mind when you think of Sasquatch? Chris Kamen. That's funny. The skullet. <laughs> T- tell me, he doesn't look like the abominable snowman from the Rudolph claymation. Okay. All right. Apparently, the Museum of Unnatural History describes Bigfoot as a, quote, hairy giant that stands seven to nine feet tall and weighs between 600 and 900 pounds. Why is this relevant in the state of Oklahoma? Well, apparently Oklahoma is one of the states that claims that Bigfoot is its home. So what are they doing about it, Jake Scott? They are offering a $3 million bounty for anyone who is able to safely capture Bigfoot. This sounds like it's going to lead to accidents. Well, see, but here's the thing. It's not a hunt. It's not a hunt. They don't want people out with their guns and rifles shooting Bigfoot. So, so let me get this straight. They they think these rednecks that are going out looking for Bigfoot are just going to leave their guns at home? <laughs> that That's that's what they're saying here, that they don't want that. Uh, uh, <laughs> says uh, this lawmaker there says, we're going to offer $3 million. We raised the bounty today, $3 million for a live capture of an unharmed Bigfoot. So good luck with that one. What are you going to do? I mean, are you going to take 10 of your best friends out? Are you going to tackle Bigfoot? Can I ask you? Are you going to catch him with a butterfly net? <laughs> How are you going to reel him in? Can I ask you a really weird question? Yeah. If they actually did capture Bigfoot and uh, they cooked it and, and brought it to you and said, hey, did you know that Bigfoot is a delicacy? You should try it. <laughs> Would you eat it? No. No. Austin? Yeah. Just to try it? Just, yeah, yeah. What, what's the difference of trying Bigfoot and trying alligator? Yeah, okay. A, uh, a state representative, or I guess, I don't know if he's a state senator or something, a fellow by the name of Humphrey, he said, it's not a hunt, by the way. We don't want to hurt Bigfoot. Nobody wants to harm Bigfoot. We want to do a live, humane capture. This is an elected official? Yes. Wow. We are wanting the whole world, and this is the important part, we are wanting the whole world to come to southeastern Oklahoma and to the state of Oklahoma and get involved in our bounty. So it's it's a promotional thing is and what it is. But if you do just discharge your firearm, just make sure to yell, it's coming right for us, right before you do. <laughs> and then everybody's going to be okay. <laughs> Apparently uh, in Oklahoma, a place called... Hanobia? Is that how you say it? Nailed it. Hanobia, Oklahoma. They have a a Bigfoot festival. I'm sure sure the people that go to that type of festival are real big on hygiene. Well, if you see a nine-foot hairy dude that weighs about 900 pounds, you know, just uh, maybe you could lure it into a trap. Make sure it's not Hans Olsen first. (laughs) 
We see, want him to be see, safe. Th- this is what I'm saying, though. There are a lot of people in Oklahoma that might be mistaken for hands. And so, you know, now you got people getting bagged left and right. <laughs> All right, let's get what? onto the zone phone. Joining us now, uh, he is Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Uh, now, Andrew, I've got to ask you this because Gordon and I were actually talking about this off the air uh, a little while ago. Uh, let me pay you a compliment. You really handle weird transitions from us very well. <laughs> you know, we've transitioned from some really weird stuff to you, yeah. and you, you're really good at rolling with it. I think it was easier when I was in studio. You know, I was kind of part. I was kind that's of part true. of the conversation. Sometimes I come in blind. Yeah, that's I'm true. just wondering though, Andrew, what would you do if Sasquatch walked into the office? Right, we'll treat him just like you know. He could have a seat too. You never know. Mrs. Sasquatch may be out there also. So if you uh, need a little assistance like Sasquatch does, then Wasatch Medical Clinic is for you. Yes. And we're helping a lot of guys with the kind of sensitive topic, uh, the stigma around ED that is maybe I'm less of a man, I think is kind of a dangerous one because it holds back guys from getting treatments. In fact, they say 70% of guys with ED do nothing. And I think that's a tragedy because the relationship is affected. Uh, The acoustic wave therapy that we use here at Wasatch Medical in two to three weeks so many guys have turned things around in the bedroom, gotten rid of the pills, opens up the blood vessels in this part of the body very gently, very easily, and can restore that normal function. And, you know, you guys have been around for a while now, but if there's folks out there who this is a new concept to, there's a lot of cool research out there that really uh, demonstrates its effectiveness. There is, uh, and specifically about our technology, which is important that you've got the clinically backed uh, science. Uh, You've got the right technology. Cambridge, um, the Journal of Sexual Medicine recently said that our technology is the new standard of care for ED. So really cool stuff and backed by a lot of clinical journals. 801-901-8000. Call, get on the calendar right now, and it's a great time to do it. Uh, You guys are doing a little something special for Memorial Day. We do. With the holiday approaching, if you want to go forward with treatments, you get $500 off today. So that's really cool. And of course, it starts with the exam and assessment with our doctor. A great chance to ask questions, see if you're comfortable with the clinic, comfortable with the doctor, all of that with no obligation to go forward. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Our friend Tim Lacombe jumps on with us straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.